Welcome to the Filmmaker Toolkit Podcast. My name is Sarah Shackett, the Associate Craft Editor over at IndieWire, and I am so excited to bring you a conversation this week with the incredible Mo Amer of stand-up and Rami fame, who now has his own Netflix series, Mo, that is uh, as joyous and nuanced as he is uh, as a creator and filmmaker. Uh, It was awesome to get to talk to uh, Mo about how culture, place, uh, his music taste all inform the unique blend of comedy on the show, uh, and a lot of other very cool things too. So please enjoy this conversation with Mo Amer. I assume when Netflix gives you a giant novelty check to make a television show. Um, well, I would be careful with giant. You know, what do you think is <laughs> giant? We're a comedy. <laughs> I would like a giant. I would like a giant check. Can we nudge? Hey, Netflix. You know, <laughs> get, just get, start start manifesting it. Start putting it out in the universe. Um, absolutely no. the The intention is that that happens. That happens just to button that up. That happens yeah. when you put out great work. That happens when you put out thoughtful work. It all comes in due time. Um, yeah, for sure. But, yeah. But but you do. I'm curious. You get the green light and and sort of thinking about the early stages of the show. What were some of your uh, touchstones or, or visual inspirations for how Mo was going to look and feel? Well, you know, it being in Houston, and this is like I wrote the flashback that you see in episode seven, which the intention for that was initially is the way to kick off the whole series is seeing an Arab family fleeing war yeah. with an, with a quintessentially American artist as Elvis Presley singing That's All Right, you know. Um, and cinematically, I just, you know, the flashbacks in particular, I want them to be grainy. I want them to feel like they're on film. I want them to have this texture to them. Uh, and then, like, cinematic inspirations, um, you know, I love wonners. You know, I really love having, like, moving... Uh, shots where it doesn't feel like so still all the time and that's something that we did very successfully in the flashbacks um, all the way around I really love that that's why because Slick asked me he's like man you've had this in your head for eight years how do you see this that's what makes him such a great director is being a wonderful collaborator and 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 truly like having a great dialogue of how we want to execute this and whenever I was you know interviewing uh, directors DPs I would describe it as uh, urban western it being houston as our mm. landscape and i love these like spaghetti western shots uh and then the fact that we had a olive tree storyline where we get to be on a farm uh it was so fun to get those you know um just those spaghetti western shots with that you know that strong houston sun beaming down on those rich uh golf clouds like i was just so excited to the point where they became you know the title cards in the series is the clouds you know um just became like such a great metaphor it's like where are you where is he you know (laughs) he's in the clouds it's almost just like this interesting thing to play with but yeah and i definitely wanted houston to feel like another character in the show yeah, I'd love to to dive into that um, because I, I I got the chance to to talk to Slick, uh, the fabulous director, and he told me that uh, y'all took like a you you gave him like a guided tour around Houston to try and like scope out you know particular things about the city to highlight um, and environments beyond like the big establishing shot with the We Love Houston sign and all that. 
Yeah, it was even started earlier than that. When we opened up the writing room, I had a videographer go around town uh, filming A-Leaf, my neighborhood, my high school, middle school, uh, just like the shopping centers. And I wanted them to have a clear vision for the show, what what the landscape looked like, what the you know, what the environment looked like. I wanted my, you know, my collaborators and uh, and writers to have an idea of it as well before, way before we got into directing and and the visual aspect of it. And when Slick came into town, obviously he and I got along so well, number one, we just have a very similar way of operating and both really high energy and just like, you know, love music and hip hop. and, And so we got into that and we just wanted to hang out with each other. Like, what are you doing? Even when we were working, what's going on, bro? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm resting. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, it was just this great relationship right out the gate. So I just wanted to take him around Houston and, and and give him like a really honest experience of it and and show him not only like the fancy places that he's used to eating at, but also showing him the like the the cultural diversity through food, which is one of my love languages for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's definitely a star of the show too, um, which I really mm, appreciate. Absolutely. I, I'm always curious with stuff that's that's a little bit autobiographical in in sort of that writing process and sort of finding, you know, a story that was going to represent your experience and also um, how not how just delightfully fucked up the immigration system is in this country. Um, <laughs> are there things that like surprised you or sort of problems, you know, beyond being chased by cartels? Uh, that you were able to give Mo that maybe you weren't expecting or was able to to sort of deepen the show in in an interesting way? Yeah. No, absolutely. First of all, we had to start out with, like, what the grounded reality is, what the truth is, and making sure that it's grounded in this real experience that is my life. And not only mine, but my mother's, my family's, uh, the displacement, the, the statelessness, and what does that mean? And and defining that and getting deeper and deeper and into the um the emotional side effects that comes with such an experience and and then you start diving into um very personal topics like uh you know and it kept going back to my father i felt like you know it's such a uh you know enormous thing to experience as a 14 year old kid losing a parent um aside from of course being displaced by war uh, losing everything and starting over. What is the other thing that really took it over the edge, and and um, the emotionality of my experience, not having enough time with my father, and and was uh, was steady, you know, part of our discussion. So once we got into the nitty gritty of immigration, asylum, uh, my deeply personal stories, we just were thinking of how we can continue to layer the characters and add depth to them and you know one of them was like lean you know like with you if well if he went through a um a traumatic experience today uh which he does at the end of episode one and then he you know has access to something as lean and how and it shows like how easily accessible drugs are number one uh, in america and also what what are the spiritual consequences of that like and what does that do to a person and and um suppressing 
your emotions, what could that do as well? Not dealing with them in a constructive way to find the best uh, result uh, for your emotional growth. And so it was just like that. It was just constantly diving in and asking questions. Okay, the what ifs, right? The if I never found stand-up comedy, well, then what would you do now? What if you were still working under the table and unable to provide for your family and feel less than in a relationship that you're in where uh, your girlfriend has all the opportunities that she's worked really hard for and has the ability to work legally and, and to accomplish something? And so, and then also like, oh, you're the, it's kind of crazy. The immigration asylee process essentially forces you into a life that's criminally adjacent, you know, that's not legal above water it's like almost uh challenging you to to go down this road and you know it's so interesting to to dig deep into that and see what we can get out of it and and that's true for the other characters my brother what his trauma is and how he's dealing with it how he's trying to better himself what my mother and what is her um you know what is what is her drive in her current age and so much time has gone by and your kids are grown like what is the thing that keeps me going so it's just fascinating to just dig deep into that and and find all the different metaphors like with the olive trees and you know the fact that you know olive trees are destroyed overseas in Palestinian homes and that also like the olive oil has so many spiritual implications and and medical implications to Arabs, you know, and how we use that. We might as well just drink it, right? Also, the symbolism of olive branch, the, you know, extending an olive branch of peace. So it was really um, an exhausting journey to go down, to be honest. But it's just I'm so grateful that I feel like we found the right balance throughout the whole season. Yeah, I'm curious to, to sort of go back to, you know, talking about this may not this being... Um, a road not traveled if you hadn't found stand-up comedy. This is a show that has such like a keen sense of rhythm. Um, and I'm curious about sort of how you guys worked that out, whether it was it through like an awareness of music, you just have like a great sense of um, pacing, setup, payoff through stand-up. I'm kind of curious, yeah, uh, about how you sort of settled on the rhythm of the show. Yeah, it's all of those things. Uh the tone of the show was very hard to figure out. Like whenever, especially in the writing process, like I have it in my head, I know what it is. And trying to communicate that was very difficult because there was nothing really to compare it to. Uh, it's such a interesting clash of worlds, right? You have, you know, and music definitely informed a lot of the pacing for me, uh, where it was just like, okay, who am I? You know, musically, like, what do I listen to? Well, I'm definitely hip hop. I'm definitely a little bit R&B. I'm a little bit chopped up, screwed up music. I'm Palestinian folk music. Uh, I love the stories in country. Like I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit bluegrass. Like very unique. You know, a little bit of jazz, a little bit of waltz. Like we had depending on what the show was, and that's something that really informed the pacing and the subject matter. Like in episode four, I think really stands out to me, where. You have Maria and Mo having completely different experiences where Mo is in a, in a in a pickle with Dante and and she's at this $6 million mansion. I was like, oh, man, this is like a little dance, a little shuffle. And I, when I was sitting with Common in, in the studio in New York with all these, you know, incredible musicians and Kareem, and 
I was like, can we just play a waltz? Can the band just play a waltz to this and see how we can balance that out? And in the temp music, I had, uh, I had, uh, um, you know, jazz music in there. And I was like, why don't we even try a waltz? It's like dance and music and then go into something very serious and see what that feels like. And it was just so much fun to do that. And at the end of it, he's having this romantic moment with his girlfriend which the song came up organically when Teresa and I were hanging out and showing her Houston and we're, you know, we're bonding to to build our on-screen relationship and, and our own personal relationship. And, and she played this song and I found it so emotional and and also funny with that tuba, yeah. like... <laughs> like it was just really... Yo encontré! You know, it was just like a beautiful, folksy... Mexicano Tejano sound that is so romantic and pleasant and um, and I just thought like oh I'm gonna surprise Teresa with it at the end of it you know because it hit me so hard and yeah that's just like a perfect encapsulation of what the show is and, and then episode two where the song Yamo which is from a classic uh, TV show called Gawar which I've only seen my father cry on two occasions is when my Mom's mom passed away, my grandmother. And then when he was watching that particular episode and that scene came up and the family was all around, and I look around, I was like five, six years old, and I'm seeing everybody crying. I was just like, wow, this is so powerful. And then I watched it again as a teenager and I started crying. I was like, wow, I really get this. And then to have it in an American series this many years later and to get a letter from the creator of that show who's in his mid-80s in war-torn Syria sent me a letter with my name on it saying I give Mohammed Amr permission to use it in his Netflix series was deeply emotional, impactful, and and a full circle moment for sure. I get choked up if I keep talking about it. It's just well, that's amazing. an incredible moment. But it's just so beautiful moments like that where it's, it's a prayer to mom. It's an appreciation for moms. It's showing, you know, through the lyrics of the song, the sacrifices that mother make, that mothers make. And the end, the last verse is essentially a very powerful prayer for mothers. Yeah, juxtapose that also with the importance of olive oil and the making and the love that goes into food. Exactly. Like, it just feels incredibly potent. Exactly. Exactly. Her making olive oil with her bare hands, seeing that is just so deeply powerful. I'd love to dig in a little bit to a, a little bit more on the visual style, because as you say, like there is just this like a little bit spaghetti western like sun-drenched beauty to it but it's also very hard scrabble and and handheld and can feel as frantic as mo is in the in the show um and i'm I, i'm curious i have to imagine that that's like a really cool collaboration to have with the director and the dp about how you guys are going to handle particular scenes um and you know there's incredible like range and and variety i'm thinking about like um the wedding and when uh maria breaks up with mo and then there's also this like incredible joyous celebration it's wild uh, i was so much fun it was one of the most stressful days probably on set because there's so many extras and so many moving parts uh first time you ever seen a depka the dance of traditional palestinian dance ever on american television so i want to make sure that's right you have all these extras what are they wearing what do they look like what's happening oh you know rewriting my monologue my, my you know rewrites every day uh my interaction with maria and also just having it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole series like i keep saying that every time i run into something else but it really 
uh, it's one of my favorite moments in the whole series, especially when she breaks up with him and she and she leaves. When Teresa walks out, Maria walks away, and there was just like this natural breeze that came in. You probably didn't even catch it, but these leaves like roll in mm. at the perfect time, and then there goes Nick, you know, played by Toby in Wigway, where he just walks out. He's like, hey, Bo! And he looks over at Nazir, and Nazir is just very sad, and he knows they're breaking up. And he's having his own moment with the Oud and probably reflecting upon the times that he broke up so many times, you know, his breakups. And he's sitting there just emotional and just totally like snaps him out of it and goes, uh, you know, calls him uh, a Nazir Santana, which I thought was so funny. And then he freestyled this like, if you don't get your John Mayer Palestine ass in here, like it was just so fun. And then walking in you know, to where Mo had so much doubt that um that Hamid actually loved Dallas and to see them actually be full of love for each other and the excitement and it wasn't just a green card marriage this is actually a real commitment and then thinking about his girlfriend just walking away and potentially it being over forever was was just such a great balance of emotions it was too much fun to do yeah and it really gets at like all of the you know, all of the different tonal shifts that the show does. It's incredibly earnest. There is like moments of emotional realization, but it's also incredibly funny and um, a, a little bit like takes delight in surprising Mo and him being caught on the back foot. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And we wanted to capture that. You know, this is obviously not your first rodeo on television but were there parts of running a series and you know kind of being the point person uh that you felt like you grew or sort of discovered things maybe about like pre-pro or post-pro or some facet of filmmaking that you didn't get to um didn't get to contribute to before um what's so interesting is that being an immigrant or refugee your back is always against the wall for many years and you have to get really creative with very little ingredients so it served me really really well as showrunner as creator of the show to be present and to juggle so many things at the same time it served me very well did i learn stuff of course there is so much to absorb when you have such a production happening like there's there's so much juggling that goes on and and try quadruple tag you know you're just multitasking to a whole nother level. And then also you're like in front of camera and you, you're rewriting dialogue as you go. And sometimes you can ask Slick this, if you didn't mention it already, rewrites happened while the camera was rolling. You know, I was just like, just roll. You know, I'll think about it for a second and just go with it. And uh, we had such a great team on the ground. It wasn't just like me running the whole show. It was definitely being the point person, definitely being the 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 touchstone to go back to if something fell off if it wasn't right to recalibrate go to mo he'll know which direction is right or wrong about you know something that's uniquely palestinian or cultural or whatever the subject matter may be pertaining to the show but just having like harris there on the ground and just really working through or having andy there the great producers on the ground as well to to help manage and facilitate those things and then what to bring 
you know, when, you know, like sometimes bringing in the information at the wrong time is not beneficial when it's not the right timing for it. So it's all about finding the the balance. And I think that, again, like being an asylee and a refugee in America where or anywhere in the world where your back is always against the wall and you're so used to hearing bad news, I think people forget how easy you digest, you know, uh, bad news where they might feel like it's bad news, but you, you watch how creative you can get. It's just like it felt like in my wheelhouse is basically what I'll say. It That's felt awesome. like very easy to me. And then I always like uh, make the analogy of like you ever open up the fridge and there's nothing to eat. Well, you'd be amazed what I come up with with very little ingredients. And to elevate those ingredients makes the best chefs. Right. You always hear Gordon Ramsay. It's like it's all about simplicity, elevating simple ingredients. And I think about that for the show as well. Like we had so much to deal with. Like this is what we have. What is the best version of these ingredients that we have in front of us? And that was like kind of the flow. And Slick had the same mentality. You know, he comes, you know, indie background, hustled really hard to get respect and get notarized as a, as a director and have his opportunity to do so. He had to go hustle himself and get different, you know, locations. Be He wore location, <laughs> location scout hat. He wore, you know, casting hat. He wore like all these different hats. So he and I were very much cut from the same cloth when he came to that. So we had a really uh, uh, just like a seamless relationship right when he landed. It was just, it's like we've been brothers for all our lives. It's great. Oh, that's amazing. I'm curious if you like. I'm, I'm sure there's a million answers to this, but like, if you can define some of those ingredients, because I, it's it's so true that the best filmmaking happens when you have a constraint and you have to get creative about how mm -hmm. to tell the story you want to tell within that. Was it like time, location, uh, logistic? I'm just curious, kind of, what were the constraints you were working within? All of it, you know, is all those things. Sometimes it's like a budgetary thing where. You've written it out in such a big way, um, like the tunnel, as an example, you know, mm -hmm. in episode eight. It's a monster undertaking to try to build, like the way it was written and constructed before, it was just like as something like really enormous. So when it gets to, you know, your your arts department, they're thinking like a hundred foot tunnel. When you're like, no, 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 no. You just need to show a tunnel. Like there's just need to have uh, the the idea is that to show uh, a refugee's resilience in trying to make it back home and tunnels are a big part of, you know, borders and having constraints in these borders, in this case being walls being up and, and showing that is one way for him to try to go. So we don't need that. So just, and then you get creative, like, okay, what if he doesn't make it to the other side? How can we do that? And getting really creative okay collapses and this happens and that happens and and just try to build a story around that and it's and it's really important to never panic in those situations and to be uh steadfast in the most what it could be perceived as a really tense moment it's actually not at all it's actually an opportunity to be really creative um and and that think that makes you really um a strong uh, leader whenever you could take simple ingredients and make them delicious. It's just like, this is great. This is a way, great way to operate, great attitude. First of all, I think if you get, if you get really stuck in a certain way of thinking and you resist new ideas, you're really not going to make any progress in your life, period. Like if you, if you resist anything new, 
you know, one of my favorite uh, phrases is like, what you resist shall persist. So you might as well just like embrace what's happening so you can free up your mind to be creative. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious if you have like any example off the top of your head of a scene that you were open to new ideas and it kind of changed um, and became a better version of itself. I, you know, there's a lot of things that you resist emotionally, right? Like tell, being so honest, like in episode three with what happened to my father, that's real, you know? And uh, that confessional scene was gut-wrenching to do and it's so hard to, to, to be, you know, to be that vulnerable on camera and it was a real breakdown. It wasn't like, it was just a genuine experience. So that's scary, but whenever you start feeling those things, you know you're on the right track and it's important to to put your feelings completely aside and and put out the most honest story possible. I mean, uh, it just immediately makes me emotional when I think about it. But I think it's just whenever you become uncomfortable with something, then you're on the right track. And it's just important to just dig deep into it to make sure you are too. It's like just because you feel that way doesn't mean it's right. It's about, you know, the other characters in the show as well and having spacing and moments to breathe. And it's a comedy, yes, but if whenever we, it's such a serious topic and whenever something comes up and it's um, raw and emotional, we should sit in it and feel it. We shouldn't shy away from it. Uh, and that was like pretty much the mantra for the whole writing and crafting it and thinking about the whole series. Yeah, that seems so remarkable, both the 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 story and what's happening on screen and also just like that it's such a constrained space and the angles that um that it finds to sort of just to, to sort of do justice to that breakdown it's it's very cool yeah i i love the transition too like just going into the olive farm uh with that sun in the background mm -hmm. and and then the lyrics of jay electronica from the track that he did how great with um chance the rapper and just uh the fact that the character's name is mustafa and he goes i was lost in the jungle after the death of mufasa no no hog no meerkat i couldn't matata by day but i night i say uh i fight tears back like and then if you notice like the way it tapers off at the end it was a, i'm struggling to remember it the exact phrasing of it was um mustard seed is all i need to sow a dream the avenues that I took are so ex to reach my petty goals are so extreme. Like, it's just like everything was really thought out as much as possible and, and left it in a way where the vulnerability was felt and the pain was felt or the humor was felt or the romantic element was felt. Like, everything I really try to think about every single second of the show. Mm -hmm. 